0: turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. Uh, Paul the Apostle was a man that um, he was a probably not the world's nicest guy. He, um, he did some pretty bad things and then one day he got blinded and his life turned around after three days of, of being humbled by God. He wrote a number of uh, books of the Bible and he he set or reset a number of things within the churches from individuals to congregations to the whole group of peoples um, and just realigning things and the experiences that the disciples had, the ones that were following Christ, the people in the church at that time, when they were going a little aloof from that, when they were going a little left of centre, Paul had this ability to bring them back and maybe his training of not being the world's nicest guy and being fairly assertive in his nature played a key role in that but um, there are many books that Paul uh, he, he just had such a fundamental piece in um, let alone just writing these books. Here in the book of Galatians he's writing to this, this group of people the chapters leading up to this and there's a principle in Galatians 6 which we're just going to tackle tonight But as we go on through the chapters here, he says, he says a pretty short hello in Galatians chapter one. He gets on with it straight away. He acknowledges that there's only one true gospel. Straight away, he's, he's acknowledging in himself that he's surprised that some of these people or these people are are so soon removed from the gospel, the true calling that Jesus Christ had come and that he died and that he rose again. And, and that gospel was playing a fundamental role. But Paul, Paul says, oh, I'm just, I'm just surprised you're so soon removed from a little bit of peer pressure coming from so, your side. You're now going off track. Again, this assertive man, he comes and he starts setting, setting the scene and he starts setting it straight. Galatians chapter two, he's had this, <laughs> this, this chapter amazes me. It's in, in my little mind, it's up there with, um maybe in my top ten, chapters within the Bible, two very strong men of God. One walked on water, one followed Christ. He was, he was taken from fishing. Jesus Christ said, come follow me, I will make you fishers of men. From that, from that moment of catching fish to, to then having this, this amazing, adventurous life, as we now know him, Peter the Apostle. And then you've got Paul. Again, this man who's, who, who was a bad man changed good and his life was changed. And Paul in Galatians 2, he says to Peter, but I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Suddenly there's this explosive moment in this chapter where these two giants of God or these two giants of the word, they're going head to head in a way. Um, and there's many things you can take from that. But in that little chapter, Peter, along with some other people, they're drifting from the one and only gospel which they have been called unto. They're starting to drift. And Paul doesn't do drifting. He pushes them back. And he said, but I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. He is now standing up against, face to face, shirt front, he is standing up against Peter the Apostle. That, that took guts to stand up to that man. Galatians chapter 3 he, he talks to the church and he, and he regards them as foolish and bewitched again from going left of center of the gospel. He starts then talking about the principle of freedom and liberty through Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ laid down his life and, and, and where Paul is going in here and he moves into it in the next chapter in chapter five. He's talking about when, when you've been called unto liberty. And you have this wonderful life ahead of you, a future that you cannot imagine that Pastor Steve was referring to. And you have that in the grasp of your hands. In chapter 5, after that that acknowledgement of freedom and liberty that he's talking about in chapter 4, in chapter 5 he's talking about the disputations, the arguments, the the, the legalistic um, discussions that people were having. And, and Paul's now going... Mate, if you do not clean up your conversational acts here, or if you just don't clean up your conversations and stop talking about stuff that does not matter, you are gonna lose the plot on what you've been called into. And that plot is freedom and liberty. And, and, and not, not that you're a free agent and a gypsy in this life, but you're not held anymore by the sins of this world, by the By the way that the world will conduct themselves in the social setting, Um, the the way things are done, Jesus Christ, in a a humble man, he was proclaimed a king by, by people, but yet he put that to the side. And Jesus, through his 33 years of living, he showed what manner of life we can lead to have peace, which you will not find in the world, to have fulfillment, to have purpose, to have freedom and liberty. And all these things, and Paul in chapter five, he's saying you seriously need to get your act together and stop having these conversations because that liberty, that freedom, that peace, all that stuff, you are going to lose it. Chapter six comes along, and as you can see with Paul, he doesn't pull any punches. Paul doesn't pull any punches. Pardon the pun. I, I was um, this where I spent my early days at the Vogue Theatre. So I've had to put up with Pastor Steve's dad jokes for many, many years or i'm not sure what else you call them dad jokes or whatever (laughs) galatians chapter 6 i've been put in my place so there's this prelude that paul is saying in verse 1 it says here just a few verses brethren if a man be overtaken and a fault ye which are spiritual restore one in spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted when someone's done something wrong have your spiritual mind on because none of us are perfect bear ye one another burdens and fulfill the law of christ put up with yourself and put up with others because as much as we're not perfect the ones around us also aren't perfect for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing he deceiveth himself but let every man prove his own work and then and then he shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden, or he will put up with himself. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever a man soweth, he shall also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. For he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. The title of my talk is You get what you give. And and Paul throughout these five chapters, he's given the prelude and he's given a fairly assertive prelude. And in here he is saying that what you give in life is what you get, and it's depending where you will sow that you will reap those benefits you will reap those rewards or you will reap the com- complete opposite of those things. The amplified in verse 7, 8 and 9, it says, Do not, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will allow himself, he will not allow himself to be ridiculed nor treated with contempt nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows and this, this and this only is what he will reap. For the one who sows to the flesh, his sin capacity his worldliness his disgraceful impulses will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life let us not grow weary or become discouraged in doing good for at that proper time we will reap if we do not give in if we do not give in if we do not faint it talks about in Isaiah chapter 40 if we keep going if if we're ready to have ears, when Paul pulls us back into centre, when Paul goes and, and corrects us, let us be the ones that are happy to be corrected when need be, that we know and we understand that whatever we sow, we will reap. And therefore, we want to be pulled back into the centre because we do not want to reap the negative side of that that we read in verse 8. But we want to reap the positive stuff. We want to reap the blessings that God has given us or that He's put it out on His hand for us. And that is what we want to partake of. What this book is not about, it's not about, it's not about never going outside of your box in life. It's not about being a good boy or being a good girl and doing the right thing all the time. I'm, I'm not, um, going down the path of suggesting we're, we're rebellious creatures and all that sort of thing. But Paul himself, actually, in First Corinthians 10 15, he says, By the grace of God, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul, again, an amazing example for us, by the grace of God, he recognizes what wasn't from himself or of himself, but he recognizes also in that same one verse, First Corinthians 15, verse 10. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's comfortable in his own skin. and And we're not always going to be perfect. We're not going to be good little boys or good little girls. We're going to want to step out of our zone. We're going to want to jump out of the square box. So that's not what the Bible is about, but what the gift of life and what God is about. It's about taking... It's about taking chances. It's about taking risks. It's about your 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 talents in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20. It's about growing and not hiding your talents, not burying them because you're shy or because you're scared or because you're worried. But when the Master comes, that you would have had this desire to grow the talents that God has put in you because he has put talents inside of us. And as much as we... I feel like I'm still trying to find my talent in life, but that's all right. As much as we... Are searching to find our talents. When we find them, let us hold on to them and let us grow them. And if we, if we, um, if we get to what we give in life, I just had to think about those words and make sure I got it the right way around then. We can talk about the foundation that has been set before us for some decades now of the people that have gone before us and They've, they've laid out a foundation, and I don't just mean from the ministry, but even from a practical side, there, there has been literal foundations set. I was a young boy again when Woodcroft was being built, and I was running through those concrete is health and safety was not what it is now, I don't think. I was running through the concrete pillars when they were being put up at that time. Um, there were decades before me where men went before me and women went before me Who've built other halls. This, this place was, this place was bought. Karakalinga was bought. And it's been developed and it's been, uh, upgraded. People have given within this church, within this group. People have given of their time, their money. They've given it themselves. And look at what we have now. We have a rich foundation. And, and we're we're blessed. We're blessed with the outcome of that. We're blessed with being reminded what it's all about. And as we move into our third or fourth generation, um, which is in some ways where the rubber meets the road, this is what counts now, is do we pick up the mantle and do we play our part in life's book? or do we let it all happen around us? Do we pick up our talents and utilise them? It's a body of Christ in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. It's not, the burden isn't wholly and solely to go on one one single set of shoulders, but it's a team effort. And as as, as it has gone in the decades before us of people grouping together, and you know from when it was half a dozen people many, many days ago. Those people, I suspect, would not have imagined the wonderful, strong fellowship that we have now. So as we move into this time of, you know, we're coming out of this isolation, semi-coming out of it, or we're coming out of it, and we've had a chance to spend with our time with our families, We've had a chance just to spend time with God. But let us put our hands to the plow. Let us pick up our responsibilities in all this. When I I just I I can't help think to myself sometimes that you only get one life. And with that thought in mind, do we give it all with God? Do we let the ones around us take the responsibility they will reap the rewards and they will reap the blessings and we just post is that the right mentality is that the right mentality that God would want, is that the right mentality when you dig deep inside yourself that you would want you know when we're young and we're young children, we many of us we want to make a difference in the world, we grow up and we want to be a firefighter and make a difference to our community and put out fires or we we just have these hopes and dreams, and that's when we're young and our heart is young, and we see no red tape and we see no restrictions, and and we want to make a difference in the world. What if that God has given us through through this pattern that is laid out in the Bible? What if He has given that to us on a platter, and and He has actually said, "You're actually making the greatest difference anyone." could ever make in the world at any time. You are working on people's souls. From the gardening to the setting up of our 2020 COVID restriction environment to shepherding, to playing musical instruments, the the body of Christ, let us come together and use our talents and work for God knowing that we get one life and one life only and we're going to make the most of it. Let's go to the book of Jonah. Jonah, um, chapter 1. There's some characters in the Bible which are just so incredibly relatable to us, Um and Jonah is certainly one of those characters. If we just go through a story here. um Now, um, do you know what I might do? I might cut this right down, because I reckon I was talking for a bit too long already. Um, Jonah, God is called Jonah. Jonah. Um, he says, "Go to Nineveh." Jonah goes the other way. He's on a ship. Um, the ship's gone crazy because the ocean's gone crazy. Um, it's almost like they pick out straw, saying, "Who's who's the dud in this group?" Um, Jonah gets the straw. They go, "You're the dud. What have you done?" He expresses that God sent him on a mission, and he went the opposite way. They throw him off, and he gets in a in a whale's belly, as happens. Um, in Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord, um, the Lord his God out of the fish's belly and said, I cried by reason of mine inflection unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas. This is Jonah talking to God. And the floods compassed me about and the billows and thy waves passed over me then i said i am cast out of thy sight yet i will look again toward the holy temple just read these couple of verses here five and six the waters comfort me about even to the soul the depth closed me round about the weeds were wrapped about my head i went down to the bottoms of the mountains the earth with her bars was about me forever yet thou Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. He is so human in this moment. He's given this, this responsibility, um, and, and commitment, and he flees from it. And, and he's found himself in this deep, dark place. And this is where either true pride or true repentance comes to life. And he is truly repentant. Verse five and six. The depth closed me round about the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, the weeds were wrapped around my head. Twenty twenty and particularly particularly this year, it's an ever growing epidemic. It's not COVID, but it is ever growing epidemic and it is mental health around this world. And and Jonah in in a sense he is expressing in, in maybe olden school terminologies, he's expressing that. He, he's done his own heading in a way. And he is suffering in his own headspace. Yes, he's physically suffering. I've never been trapped in a, in a whale myself. Um, and I can't imagine the stench. So there's the physical aspect. It's gross. But mentally here, This guy, he's put it out on a limb to us in in words here, and he has said, the weeds are wrapped around my head. He cannot get this straight. The pressure and, and the magnitude of what has happened to him, he's suffering, and he cannot correct it. He only was able to correct it through repentance to God. He was only able to correct it through going through this and then reconnecting with God. As you see in verse 7. And there lies the victory. Somehow God taps the whale on the shoulder or on the fin and the whale spits him out and Jonah gets another attempt. And Jonah then, and God tries him again. He says, get in there. And Jonah gets into the town and he saves the people. But if you watch Jonah's character through this story, if you watch his character, he then goes down in, into himself again and, and he wishes that everything would just close in on around him. He, he finds himself under a, an obscure kind of plant or tree later in the book and he just wants to escape himself. This human nature that is expressed in Jonah, the one thing that will stop us from giving what is right in life is ourselves. It isn't really the restrictions around us. Let me rephrase that. It often isn't those things. It's often just here. And, and Jonah in, in such a, a human way, he displays what it's like to be trapped in here. And the only with reconnecting with his saviour, I mean, verse 7 might be a highlight verse for you, one worth colouring in, only worth, uh, only reconnecting has he been able to refine himself again. And, you know, John 14 verse 26, I think, it talks about the Holy Ghost Comforter. Well, that's my timer. It talks about the Holy Ghost Comforter and that, and that that will give you peace. And there's numerous scriptures in the Bible that talk about A person finding peace. But if I could just add one to the peace list. I do believe that, I do believe that when we're, when we fulfill our responsibilities in life or we do a job, maybe just to keep it simple, when we do a job and the feeling that you get of accomplishment, the feeling that you get of, hey, I actually did a quality job, I've surprised myself. The feeling that you will get after that, there's also peace in that. And God tells us to study the air. Get busy. And I believe that you can find peace um, when you get to those times as well. We might keep going and um, wind down just in the last few minutes. Luke chapter 12. Just one story and then we'll finish off with one verse after this. Luke chapter 12, I'll start reading if you're finding your way there. This is such a cool parable. Um, You can really picture it. Um, What Jesus Christ is really getting at here, there's a little bit of an argument before, but what he's really getting at, he says, who am I, who made me a judge or a divider over you? There's a particular circumstance that they're trying to argue about. Then Christ gets to the heart of the matter about uh, money. But there's a few other parables within the parable or parallels within the parable. Verse 16 And he spake a parable unto them saying the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully and he thought within himself saying what shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits and he said this will I do I will t- pull down my barns and uh, barns and build greater and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul Thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose things, whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he, so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. This story here is just talking about, um, being distracted and we, we just, a uh, quick little story I just want to tell you about. Angie's got a work friend. Her mother, this is a number of Fridays ago now. Her mother felt, um, well, incredibly unwell at 3am, Thursday night, Friday morning. Ambulance hospital, she had a collapsed lung. Um, Emma, it was during, the, Angie's friend, it was during the day, um, later on, there was, um, there was shadow on the lung. It was quite dark. Um, and she phoned Angie if we if she could have prayer. Angie told me, and we had prayers, a little family. Um, within five to ten minutes of that um, prayer, we received a phone call back. It was four o'clock on a Friday. The chances of being her um, being able to be looked at or attended to was incredibly slim. We got a phone call back within those five or ten minutes. They had wheeled her down. They had a look at her. Um, the they they put up the previous, um, this is where maybe my wife is better with all the medical stuff, but they put up the previous scan and the new scan, there was a black spot, quite a significant one, and then there was nothing. And and she shouldn't have gone down at 4 o'clock or 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. Not only that, but then you've got something that was there and then you've got something that wasn't there. And we prayed as a little family and we claim that as a little family What I wanted to get at with this little story here is you can lead your life building your barns or you can lead your life building your (laughs) yarns. And maybe that's a little geeky, probably is. But what I mean by that is you can spend your life working for the man. And by the way, we have to do that. It's a responsibility thing, all that. Yeah, copy that. But there is a life and life more abundantly that God has given us. Do you want to live your days with stories to tell at the end of your days? Stories of victory, stories of courage, stories of overcoming and having an impact in people's lives? Or do you want it to just be in that square box where, yeah, we've got our barns, but you know what? You fool. On this night your soul is required of thee. How devastating when we get but one life. But what an opportunity when we read this scripture to go, let me have a go, Lord. I'm ready. Let's finish off. First Corinthians chapter 15. Um, right at the end, verse 58, and I'll just quote this in the Amplified again after, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. Therefore, my brethren, Amplified version Be firm, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, always being superior, excelling, doing more than enough in the service of the Lord, knowing and being continually aware that your labour in the Lord is not futile. It is never wasted or to no purpose. This has been a really helpful verse for me because we don't, throughout my years, because we don't go out to try and big note ourselves in the Lord. Often our work in the Lord is... Is quiet, and a lot of us are happy with that. We're not looking for the big brownie points that the sort of you would go after in the corporate world or or whatever else. But the Lord sees it, and and He says it's not in vain that there is a purpose. There is Mark Twain. He he has said a quote. He said, "The two most important days in your life are the day you are born." and the day you find out why. Enjoy the path unwinding of life. Grow your talents. As we come out of this COVID isolation period, as we start coming back together, my contention is challenge your own mindset. Challenge yourself. Don't overthink and underdo about what is right Attack it like Paul did. Overdo and underthink. And and fulfill your purpose. Fulfill what your responsibility in Christ is. And there you will find peace and all the great wonderful things that God gives us. Amen.